0: Hey everybody, uh, Josh Mills is back. Hi Josh.
1: Hello, I am back. <laughs> I've been asked uh, back.
0: And, uh, and due to unforeseen uh, circumstances, uh, we're a little late on the Christmas, but this is going to be a very late Christmas episode.
1: Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know, it's Christmas in January. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, that's, that's good.
0: That's fine. I mean, it came out a month early and the podcast will come out a month late, so...
1: And I appreciate that makes you zero cents. Well, and I appreciate you having me uh, back. Uh, anybody that wants to hear me talk, it's very appreciated.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Adam Storm could not make it this week, in case anybody's curious, because he does normally come on because he's obsessed. But uh, he's uh, he probably won't mind me saying he's at a Settlers of Catan rally of some kind because <laughs> he's a big fat nerd. Love you, Adam. <laughs> um, so I'm looking at this. First of all, this is a picture disc. This is this is uh, a Percy Duff Tonsil's Christmas. Uh, you have to say it that way. Yes, you do. It was a limited run. I'm very lucky to have this in my hands. Uh, Black Friday album. Oh, it's, it's just it's ridiculously funny, but it also looks really nice, too. Um, so were these uncovered, or were these just stuff you just found while going through for the other album?
1: You know, it was... Uh Essentially, it was stuff that we listened to going through the uh, album that Omnivore uh, put out, mm-hmm. and they put it out this time as well, um, and realized that there was so much Christmas stuff that maybe there was something else that we could yeah. use uh, uh, down the line. So they kind of pulled those tracks off, and uh, we, we just decided that it would be great for you know Black Friday – Record Store Day is November. Yeah. So it's like the first day, first shopping day for Christmas. It just seemed like it all kind of mm-hmm. could fit. And we only did a thousand and they're all gone. And, yeah. you know, you can find some on eBay for crazy prices. Right. Yeah. Well, then
0: I, I'm luckier than I realized. Yeah, it's that. good uh, stuff. It, and it just, it looks so good. Who did the art, actually? I didn't look.
1: Um, there's a guy at, uh, at, at Omnivore named Greg Allen who mm-hmm. really put a lot of uh, time and, and work into that and the other stuff. And... <laughs> That's one of the reasons why I love Omnivore is they really, you know, it's all up digitally and you can, you know, get that stuff, but they really believe in the physical mm-hmm. product and making it look good and it's not, you know, there to to, to to just sort of, you know, exist. Yeah. They really actually spend some time on it and, you know, he kind of took a picture we had and turned it into a Christmas theme and mm-hmm. uh, Greg's great. He's, he's really awesome.
0: Do they do other comedy stuff? Do they do a lot of other comedy?
1: I don't... You know what, I don't believe so They have done recently um, Some more rock and roll Like Camper van, Beethoven Beethoven mm-hmm. uh, Reissues And they're doing some Dream Syndicate and things like that mm-hmm. uh, They got a Bob Mould record But uh, I wouldn't be surprised down the line If there was some, you know Stuff that, uh, I mean Cheryl, the woman who runs it <laughs> Is, uh, sorry, the microphone Is <laughs> Maybe that sounds a little better Um <laughs> She uh, she works with, like, estates, but she also works with record labels, so it depends who kind of approaches her,
0: and uh, I wouldn't be
1: surprised if there was something.
0: That'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm, 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 your your okay. microphone keeps drifting. I'm sorry. We can switch. That's can, okay. All right, all right. I'm okay. Um, the, <laughs> so what was, what was the vetting process like? I mean, like, you, you had to go through probably a ton of stuff, I'm assuming.
1: Yeah, Cheryl and um, a guy named Patrick Milligan uh, went through the majority of the, uh, essentially just so... If you hadn't heard the other podcast mm-hmm. um, there in the 1950s, this is from 1952 on a CBS show called Kovacs Unlimited. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist in video. Okay. However, my mother in her strange ways, Edie Adams, decided that she really needed to hear how she sang on the radio. Yes, right. So she had a company, which was a transcription company, come in and record audio only off the the television airwaves it's crazy. So, and I don't understand the technology, but evidently it's fairly good technology for the time. Mm-hmm. Um and uh I mean they are 60 years old at this and point. They sound great. But they sound pretty great. Yeah. So, um uh so when basically we transfer these from air checks to essentially c d just to listen to as almost reference stuff, we kind of went through and pulled the stuff we thought was the most interesting, so mm-hmm. um you know there's stuff of my mom singing you know love songs, which potentially could be a valentine's day record yeah. or you know other stuff that we could pull together, but uh it was really trying to find the you know the 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 good stuff to put as bonus tracks to the first uh uh omnivore release, and then this that's so good, yeah
0: um and was it last year that you actually you did the Christmas release of your mother's stuff? That was last year, right?
1: Yeah, sort of the same uh, ideas.
0: Um, was it from these programs or from different stuff?
1: It was from those programs. Oh, okay. So the, yeah, they were all. Um, essentially, we had them transferred, and you know, I'm not a full-on technocrat, or, mm-hmm. or a, I'm more of a luddite in a <laughs> lot of ways. But um, essentially, with these air checks, when you there's no point in just playing them to hear them. You mm-hmm. have to kind of record them because the the quality uh, depreciates every oh, yes. time you play it. Right, right, right. So, um, yeah, so we kind of recorded all of them and then kind of went through everything, and it was, you know, there's so many hours of audio that, you know, it's it's a record of daily television from, you know, the so early cool. 1950s. So, That's nuts. Uh, you can't see it, but you yeah. can hear it.
0: Which makes me still more curious as to what Adam Storm has in his uh, attic.
1: It's been a long time. I'm wondering <laughs> when they're going to at least... Take a picture of it and show it to us. I (laughs)
0: know. I've been asking everybody. I've been asking my... You call him an uncle-in-law? My uncle-in-law about it. He's a DJ, and he wants to see a picture, too. He wants to know what the... Frig they are because yeah. he he actually knows a ton about the technology and we were talking about it. he's like maybe they're wire recordings even though wire recordings are garbage but it's exactly that thing you can play it but you might as well record it because it'll fall apart
1: yeah no matter how bad and you can try to you know clean it up a little bit later but you just mm. want to make sure that uh, you don't play it too much because after a while it's going to sound like you know an old scratchy record mm-hmm. so you want to record it uh, that that uh, you know you want to you want to record it every time you you know play it
0: yeah now. We've probably and apologize. I apologize for this uh, because we we've talked about it a few times. Um, But how early did you know about these recordings existing? Like this something Mm. your mom talked about? Like
1: yeah, I mean she. It was one of those things that in the '90s I kind of became aware of because Mm -hmm. I couldn't really get my head around. And I you know until you actually see an audio air check, you're kind of like it's a record or it's a big record or Mm -hmm. what is it and Um, I had heard about all of them and uh, they existed. And sometime in, I would say, 2005, my mom had them uh, transferred. And they're not easy. You know, it's not just like you call up, you know, a transfer house right. and go, like, yeah, hey, it's like, you know, VHS to DVD conversion. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. So uh, there was an older dude who had some great technology mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, UCLA. Film and Television Archive put them in touch, and uh, she got them transferred, and and that's really when I actually heard them. Yeah, I'd heard one or two, but I was sort of like, eh, you know, yeah. whatever. I was, you know, more interested in Soundgarden or something. Right, I don't right, know. Right. You know.
0: <laughs> getting a job. I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did she? Uh, w- uh, it might be too personal of a no, question, but were ahead. they very religious? Was your mother very religious? Was Ernie very religious? That you know.
1: You know, my mom was not religious, and Ernie. From what I've heard, wasn't particularly religious. Although I guess he did, I guess pray at night. I didn't when he went okay. before he to sleep. I that's what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Um, but he wasn't, you know. He wasn't the kind of person that was very practicing. I mean, the guy swore and drank and gambled and, you know, all the (laughs) things like that. But um, I think, you know, there was, you know, the christenings and things like that, more ritualistic things the way they were. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So Christmas in this... I mean, I I know that was a thing you did, though. I mean, if you're an entertainer, you know, you're expected to do that, you know, even if you're... Jewish. I mean, Barbra Streisand did a lot of Christmas songs. Oh, I, there
1: is a a record that I worked as a publicist that was uh, basically Jews singing Christmas songs because they realized that frankly, there was more money in it. Yeah. And it was sort of like a much bigger holiday than Hanukkah. So, you know, yeah. Um, You know, everybody had a, I I mean, when I grew up, I had a Christmas tree at my mom's Mm -hmm. and I had, you know, celebrated Hanukkah at my dad's. So, you know, I had two separate weird
0: You know, (laughs) holidays, but ones. I mean, obviously, you know, it's it's just much easier to commercialize. I mean, this is you know, it's red and green. That's that's what you associate with Christmas, and it's and these are if if it was Hanukkah stuff that he was doing, he would have put out a Hanukkah record. Exactly, you know, it's uh, and it's really. I mean, like, uh, it's it's so funny because it seems like it would be. I mean. It's sort of one track, like comedically, because he's just doing the same fucking character, but it's so funny every time. And I like I I just love listening to him crack up though on the ones that sound a little more live. Was there one here where they where where new music was put in, or that just really clear sounding? Um, the there's one track that's
1: off of the uh, the other record, uh, okay. the first oh, Percy yes. record. Right, so right, right, yes, Ben Modell did some uh, music, and he compiled that release. Mm-hmm. Um, and he uh we did put some new music on on that one because it was literally just the bare audio. there was okay. nothing else um but for this one, there's like you know one previously released track and five tracks that were unreleased mm-hmm. and that's from exactly the era and you're absolutely right, my favorite thing is, and I think Kovacs loved making the 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 audience or the the crew, excuse me, not the audience. He loved making the crew laugh so yeah. he made them laugh, he felt like okay i've actually got something going here, and he Kind of, you know, plays around with them a bit on, on this record.
2: On Tuesday night, just after Rudy Kazooty, I went upstairs feeling so low and so moody. I put on my sheer-truth pajamas with the all fearsucker seat, pulled down the organdy bedspread feeling low and simply beat. I crept neath the covers feeling old and rather worn slept like a baby till lo it was morn. My baby blue Big Ben went off then with a resounding ring. I jumped up grappling madly with a loose pajama string. I sped to the window and looked down below and gasped in surprise at the big pile of snow. The flakes were still falling so fast and so withy. One struck my widow's peak and left me fairly dizzy. And it's funny, too, for a guy who's as experimental
0: and, and, and groundbreaking as he was that he would he'd be perfectly willing to, like, not care that much about the fourth wall, like, yeah. when, even when he's doing a bit that's not experimental, you know?
1: Well, again, I, I, I really do believe that his whole take on television was unlike Milton Berle or Sid Caesar or anybody else who was basically trying to create, you know, an environment for you to, to watch television. Mm-hmm. I think Ernie's attitude was more, you know... I know that I'm here performing for you, and you know I'm here performing for you, so let's just forget the BS and, like, let's talk about the fact that I am performing here for you. Yes. Um, so I think he really took that to heart. He really kind of just, you know, not just breaking down the fourth wall, but also consistently sort of saying, like, this is all a joke. Like, we're mm-hmm. all – this is fantasy. Yeah. And uh, I think it kind of – freaked people out a bit because, you know, they weren't used to television, and then to have someone go, well, let's talk about television? I don't understand. Right. You know, yeah. it's a bizarre concept even now, but in mm-hmm. 1952, it would have been really bizarre.
0: It's always the first person to uh, to get meta about a uh, <laughs> a medium that seems yeah. to at least stick in some people's minds, even though, again, I don't feel like he's taught enough in in media school. Agreed. Like, you know, like, again, I I didn't take uh, TV classes, I took film classes, but you'd think at least somebody would have given me a hint that there's this guy out there that you should look into.
1: Yeah, I mean I was a mass comm major, mm-hmm. and um, I I had, you know, teachers if I mentioned, they would say, oh yeah, Ernie, or that's really great, or whatever, but it's weird to think that, you know, even if you're learning about, you know, George Melier or you're learning about mm-hmm. something really early, or Bruce Connor, or any experimental right. film, or anything like that, that no one kind of goes... Well, there's this other guy who didn't make films, per se, but he
0: made these very bizarre video television, you yeah. know. Yeah. Pre-psychedelic stuff. Yes. You know, but it was very psychedelic and yeah. out of its mind.
1: It's like the the 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T. Yes. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's seeing that movie and to think that that was before, you know, I don't know, Acid. Right, right. Is almost just like, it's a 50s version of Acid, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. before we knew what it was. Yeah. And it's so trippy. And Ernie's very... Strange in that way, too.
0: I, and I I just want to know what his mind was like, what his brain was like. because it's, And it's so funny, too, and I think we've talked about this before, because, again, if, if you were to look at, you know, uh, maybe your mother's history in the industry, she's a very, like, straight-laced, beautiful, yeah. like, singer, funny lady. Yeah. But, like, clearly, there's some spark in her brain that was attracted to that weird son of a gun.
1: Yeah. I <laughs> mean, she had a very traditional uh, Presbyterian white... Um, lime jello kind of existence. <laughs> um, and I think that when she could get away from her mother, who evidently was a very good singer herself, okay. in church, mm-hmm. right? Um, her father was always the one that kind of pushed her and said, you know, you can do other things. You don't just have to be, you know, what your mom wants you to be or what I want you to right. be. You can do other stuff. But when she finally had a moment to kind of, you know, go to Juilliard and meet. Party people or whatever, she just kind of went like, "Oh, I like him. yeah I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That guy's great." So, yeah, she definitely loved him.
0: <laughs> Don't drink people's water. Oh my goodness. we have animals in the in the studio as usual, <laughs> and they're trying to drink Josh's water. <laughs> it's terrible. You know, it's funny because I, I was also thinking about this uh, the other day. Is I I finally got to watch uh, the pilot with him, him and uh, uh, and Buster Keaton, and I m- it, my thought is, uh, what do you what? What might have happened to him if that had been accepted and gone through been a successful show i doubt it because it's so friggin' weird it but is like yeah you know conceptually but i it just would that have made him i don't know would he have stopped being experimental would he have cared i don't know you know i mean i have
1: a feeling that the two of them probably would have tried to push the envelope as much as they could on the same show yeah, yeah. um because i mean in a sense you know ernie was like a Chaplin or a Keaton or, you know, mm-hmm. a silent you could you could equate him in many ways to silent film or or things like that. And I think they both obviously had a certainly Keaton, but I think Ernie had a love of silent film. Mm-hmm. Um because he did that show Silence Please, which was oh, yeah. you know, recorded out of his den. Mm-hmm. Um but I think that they would have tried to push it. But again, you know, I don't I think Ernie just in some ways wanted to be conventional, make the money conventional comedians made, but mm-hmm. I don't think he really wanted to you know, I just saw an ad, uh, someone posted on Facebook the other day of this this thing he did. It was all his roles that he had played in movies, uh-huh. and he was always a captain in five movies. And at the bottom, this was an ad variety. Uh-huh. It said, no more effing captains. <laughs> Basically, just like, almost like funny, but also sort of saying, like, I can do other things. Yeah. You know, I don't want to keep playing the same role yeah. again and again and again. That's so.
0: ballsy. Yeah. It all get out.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah because um, people saw him a certain way, and that's yeah. how
0: they saw him and he was wanting to do other things so but it's so interesting because most people don't care how successful you are will just keep doing it yeah they're they're not going to like that's clearly like a a, a restless artist's mind
1: well the the One of the things that Ben Modell sort of kind of pieced together uh, when we were putting together the first Ernie Kovacs DVD set for Shout Factory Mm -hmm. was that uh, there was a CBC Canadian television uh, interview with him where he talks about what he wants to to do. Mm -hmm. And what they were talking about doing was making a Eugene movie, which was his silent character, Mm -hmm. with Alec Guinness because they had just made... or recently made um, Our Man in Havana and that Alec Guinness was going to play Eugene and Ernie was going to direct and they were trying to find the studio and put the script together and it's just sort of like just a what if like Uh Uh what if they had what if Alec Guinness had made this movie would he have like He and Ernie loved each other. They were great friends. That's so weird. I know. (laughs) That really blows my mind. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, two people who, you know, seriously demented in in Mm -hmm. many good ways. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I I, I just, that would have been a fabulous movie. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And just that he would, uh, you know, again, he was as experimental as he was, but then he can put, where did I put it? But... The uh, I I just wonder, I want to know what in his mind possessed him to put these fake eyeballs in. Put on the glasses, <laughs> okay. do this goofy voice, and just keep doing it. And it almost, is he testing people? Is he testing himself? Because <laughs> it's so weird. It is so weird. I'll bet people were annoyed by the character. Well, the
1: rumor was that, uh, I think it was Bobby Lauer, could have been somebody else, but in his earlier shows in Philadelphia that, you know, he had no budget, Mm -hmm. so they would bring um, props or Mm -hmm. whatever they had at home, Mm -hmm. or, you know, they go, like, a $10, you know, weekly prop budget, and they would go, and he brought the glasses, and he just sort of put them on, and Mm -hmm. it became, and it's funny, because you can hear it from the earlier episodes to the early 60s, how he's perfected. Percy, mm-hmm. um, because it starts out as just one way, but then it becomes a little bit more solidified. And uh-huh. It's almost like a comedian, you know, learning a routine and trying mm-hmm. to hone it and keep getting better. And But, um, you know, it's funny. Some people don't find it very politically correct now. right? Um, I still think it's really funny. Yeah. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, his, his take on it is more, it's not mean. It's right. very... Um, uh, silly, yeah,
0: and it's yeah. sort of like
1: Percy is probably the nicest person you'd ever meet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the 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 takeaway from it. Then. It's not
0: judgmental no. in any way. So I mean, that's <clears throat> I. I don't know. It's it's not the uh, you know it's not like it's the equivalent of blackface or something. Right. It's it's a voice. Right. It's a voice. He obviously hints at his gayness. Right. But at no point does he judge that. That's where you draw the line. You're right. You're going to judge the. You know if you're if you're going to break it down like that. I just it's it's just odd to me. It doesn't. It doesn't seem to me to even fit in with the other stuff he does in some weird way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yet it is, like, it's obviously, like, people still... You know, it's a, it's good enough to put on a couple of records, you know? People still want it.
1: Well, and it was funny because he really... It was a very popular character. Mm-hmm. Um, In fact, so much so that that's why he recorded this record. And... Or the audio. It was yeah. going to be a record that never came out. Yeah. Um, he had so many people... And even now, when I have a screening of something or when we show something... There's a big sort of ooh or ah when he comes on the screen. Like, people really respond to that (laughs) character. And it's like the same with the Nairobi Trio or, Mm -hmm. you know, something like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, he – it's – the the glasses, the whatever, are just as bizarre to me as the Nairobi Trio, which is – I mean, that's surrealist, you know, that's so bizarre. That's the strangest thing, so –
0: were there any, I mean, that you know of, any projects that didn't get made as far as stuff he and your mother wanted to do together? I, I, I don't know if we've talked about that. Well,
1: I've never found, like, hard evidence, mm-hmm. but there is a lot of speculation that um, Ernie was supposed to play the Sid Caesar role in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Really? And if you go in the mad world, you know, there's a Facebook group, Mm -hmm. um, all good people who are totally into the movie. (laughs) um, They kind of speculate and talk about and, you know, you know, whatever. Um, the The funny thing is that my mom and Sid had known each other for a very long okay. time and were very comfortable with each other and liked each other a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'd worked together in many things prior and things after. So um, it wasn't a stretch to think that Ernie wouldn't be in the movie, mm-hmm. but there was sort of talk like, you know, wouldn't it be cool if I think, you know, Ernie was in that movie? The night before Christmas on the East Side.
2: Twas was the night before Christmas, and all through the duplex. Just the ballot was prepping, a glen plaid with few checks. The mesh nylons were hung by the chimney with care. C.O.D. from Helene, the bill was a bear. The boys home from prep school were all snug in their beds, while visions of Marilyn danced in their heads. <laughs> and Mater and her Bergdorf, and I and my sack, lay in Louis 14th with its genuine cracks. When up on the penthouse there arose such a clatter, I summoned the butler to see what was the matter. <laughs> he ran through the room in a 40-yard dash and pulled the Venetians I'd bought with cold cash. The moon on the sidewalk of chic Sutton Place gave the color of liver to the old doorman's face. Wow. I know. He, I
0: mean, you know, he, he could carry it just as well as anybody. Um, that's interesting to me. I uh I was actually just speaking to um Stan freeberg's wife the other day uh, about cuz I guess they did a thing at the Arclight. Were you at that?
1: I wasn't actually. Oh, okay, I've, yeah, I've seen yeah. that movie so,
0: so many, many, times. many I bet. times I bet. And I it's bet. a long movie, yes so it is. Yeah. It tests <laughs> I love it, but the it, modern it, audience, yes a bit. it tests me sometimes. Yes. I still love it. Yeah. Um <laughs> That's so funny. It's a great movie. Yeah, no it is great. I don't know why they tried to remake it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Early yeah. two thousands, so still not sure what that was all about.
1: I just saw something that two thousand. If you go on IMDb, two thousand fifteen, there's a sequel plan. What?
0: Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh
1: my god. Yeah. So I don't <laughs> oh, know what that
0: means or not. A, oh my. <laughs> what the yeah. Well, hey, you know what? If Sid Caesar Caesar's back holds out, you know, whatever, maybe he <laughs> could still come back. And exactly. Still, that man is sticking with it. He like. is sticking with oh, it. Man, I want him on the
1: podcast. Yeah.
0: So uh, yeah. There's so many maybe. people who are just like I tried for Larry Storch the other day, but he's in New York. You know, there's some people who you don't hear from, and it would
1: be. I great. think Shecky Green. You got to go for Shecky Green. Shecky Green the other day. Really?
0: Yeah, I don't think he lives in state and he's not interested. Oh. Sorry, Shecky, but oh. I did try. He is very funny. Thank you for your consideration, Mr. Green. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I agree. I agree. There's just some people. You know that I would yeah. love to have on that absolutely. Nobody talks to anymore. I know, like Rusty Warren. Yes, I promise that episode is coming out soon. Yay. Um Did and i don't think we've talked about too much ab- about i mean we know he was a broadcaster early on and he was doing you know sort of traditional broadcasting yeah i mean
1: as much as ernie could do traditional right yeah. right
0: uh, i mean artistically i mean did he ever do anything like stand up or comedy like traditional comedy
1: no and that's the crazy <laughs> that's thing about so ernie is that he he was famous for saying like i don't know how to tell a joke like yeah. i cannot yeah. tell a joke yeah. i couldn't stand in front of an audience and you know do you know, set up punchline. Yeah. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. So, um, that's what I mean. Maybe it had to have been his writing, mm-hmm. which he did write for the Trentonian, which mm-hmm. was the local Trenton newspaper. And then he kind of moved into radio. So he was a, like a local celebrity first. Yeah. And being on radio must have sort of sparked something because he did really wacky sure. things on radio. Sure. Um, so. But the crazy thing, and I think I said it last time I was on, was that Joel Hodgson Mm -hmm. always said to me, like, I just don't know how he knew this would work. Like, there was no precedent to go, well, you know, television was so brand new that there was nothing to look back on. And how he just sort of went like, yeah, I could see this happening. Right, right. This, This totally makes sense. And no way of actually it could have fallen so flat in its face and yeah. he never would have had a career.
0: And that's that's one very good reason to argue why more people should know about him, because that's exactly what Orson Welles did when he was making Citizen Kane. I mean, he hired people. He said, hey, is it possible to do this? He had no idea. Right. And he would just try it. And right. they would figure out a way to do it for him. Right. It's a little, it's on a much smaller scale. You know, yeah. he's, he probably, I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if he was handling the cameras themselves. Right. Outside of, you know, union rules or whatever. But, you know, it just seems like one of those things where are like, well, let's, can we point this here and, you know?
1: Well, my mom would say when they were in Philadelphia, um, they were on for, I think, an hour and a half. I mean, they were on for a really (laughs) long time, every day, five days a week. And, you know, Ernie, they had to kill time. Yeah. So one of the things they would do is they would put a record on, and they would put a kaleidoscope at the end of a camera and just have someone sit there because they just needed five <laughs> minutes to just decompress or get ready for the next sketch. Or Holy shit. Uh, but the other thing was my mom, I mean, this is how loose the rules were, nobody thought about this, mm-hmm. a cameraman or a sound guy would go like, I got to pee. And so my mom would have to, you know, walk around and hold the camera, <laughs> and, like, I can't, I mean, the thought of, you know, iatze yeah. <laughs> allowing that to happen now right. is not even you couldn't know oh my god so uh but she was like that was what you know she would say you know we would kill time mm-hmm. and i can't even imagine the thought of killing time on television in 2014 right it just like it was so new that that's the only way it could have d- gotten done
0: yeah yeah so clearly she's there as part of it i mean to do did she have like what kind of input did she have on his stuff, or was it very much like, no, this is my vision?
1: He he definitely, you know, had that vision. He definitely said this was my stuff. However, there were plenty of times where someone would like, with the glasses for Percy, yeah. bring something in, or here, you know, and he would kind of just incorporate it or bring it in, and then it'd be, it would become something. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom always said that she was his more like an editor. Okay, Ernie would kind of throw out an idea or have some sort of like. You know, thought about something, and she would kind of go, eh, I don't know about that, if you want to push it in this direction or go that way, okay. because Ernie was very much, you know, there were times where he was, I think he was doing like 20 hours a week on radio and television. I mean, he was doing so <laughs> much <laughs> that he, that's why I think you find some stuff being recycled here and there, is yeah. because he really just couldn't, <laughs> he couldn't think up more stuff. I mean, he was yeah. on radio, I think ABC in New York, and then he was doing television and I think my mom was just sort of at some point going, you know, Ernie, you know, this this works, this doesn't work. Yeah. But, you know, as much as Ernie would let anyone do
0: that, I think. So. <laughs> right, right. Um, not to just keep concentrating on your mom. No. But, uh what did she think of Percy? Like, Did she have a favorite creation of his?
1: Um, well, she was in the Nairobi trio, so I think she yeah, enjoyed right, that. Yeah. And she really – my mom was such a, you know, student of, of, of music and art that, you know, she would always say – it's actually. It seems very simple, mm-hmm. but it's actually very complex. I mean, you have to know timing, and you have to be really good, you know, with the smashing of the, you know, uh, whatever on the head of the, mm-hmm. the, the, the gorilla, um, and also, you know, tapping someone on the shoulder. And it's a very complex. You have to really know timing. So yeah. that's why she was such a fan of it. Is that she really felt like there was a lot more than people just going like, you know, what is this monkey costume and like what? Is, she felt like there was something in that. Yeah. That, you know, it was pretty. You know, hidden and deep down, and, and yeah, that's kind of an
0: interesting thing too. Because a lot of comedians, you know, if you, if you talk to them, uh, you know, I, everybody knows that comedy is at least partially about timing. Big thing, uh, Ernie Kovacs like clearly needed to be with a musician to have some timing cuz if he says he can't tell a joke yeah. and he's got somebody who's who's got this other instinct that he maybe didn't have I mean if you listen to this I mean he he can do the rhythm of a poem you know right. he can do that that's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. but it's like you know it's not punchline driven it's no. just it's a through it's through line driven it's just like here's a thing he's he's just he's layered this the East Side of New York on top of the New, you know the right. night, before, night before Christmas so it's I, I wonder if that in any way Paid, you know, played a part in why he was received well.
1: Well, again, and I listened to this record again before I came over here, and I am still always shocked at how relaxed he is. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, I think I'm more, you know, <laughs> energetic than he is, you know, I mean, <laughs> just doing a podcast. But yeah. he, had his, he had to write the show, he yeah. performed in it, he, you know, came up with the characters, I mean, the concept. <clears throat> and he is just so calm and cool and not worried about time and i mean it, it, it was it, that's why i think it's almost surreal in a lot of ways is yeah. that you know it's not like he has any, is any rush to get anywhere yeah and it kind of lets the joke come or not mm-hmm. and sometimes <laughs> there's an or not <laughs> right so i really think that his genius was you know the extemporaneous or experimental stuff that he was doing but also just sort of like let's see where this goes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also saying things like, this is my idea crew, make it happen. Yeah. And then am going, well, we can't do that. And he goes, no, you can do it. And then they would come up with whether it was literally building a set or an item on a set mm-hmm. or the editing, which was so primitive in 1960 or 62 or 61 or whatever. Yeah. So I think that was his
0: genius was really just going like,
1: you know, make it happen and we'll, we'll have a good show.
0: Right. Right. You know, um, uh, is there so? Again, I don't know enough about the history, and I, I, no. I remember talking to to Adam, and he when he found out that that uh, that pilot was going to be on the DVD, he freaked out because he's like, I didn't think that existed anywhere. Yeah, are there some other sort of legendary things that you're still trying to find that I maybe don't know about? Well,
1: maybe they're in Adam's uh, <laughs> right? family's g- garage or, right? or attic. Um, you know, Ben always jokes that there's you know something like in a barn somewhere, but I, there was a. Uh, I think it was – I don't know if it was person to person, but there's an interview that happened with uh, Ernie. It was with David Susskind in New York. Okay. So it was Ernie, Rod Serling.
0: Oh, you mentioned this. Yes, yes, and, yes. And,
1: um, oh, the ugh, great director oh, – I can't remember his name. I'll think of it in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um and it's it was it happened, mm-hmm. but I don't think anybody's ever seen it. And it's like, if you could Suss. find that, I mean, just the thought of, like, Ernie and Rod Serling. Yeah. And Sheldon Leonard. Okay. Sheldon right. Leonard. Shit. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the smoke, I don't know how you actually could handle <laughs> sitting on the set. Right. But uh, just to hear, like, a concept and hearing what someone else had to say about that mm-hmm. or bringing up something just sounds amazing.
0: Did they know each other, Serling and, and Ernie?
1: I believe in a very cursory kind of okay. way they knew each other. Um, you know Hollywood. Right. All the kids, they know. <laughs> yes, of um, course. But I don't think they hung out very much. But no. I think that, you know, I think Ernie was a fan, and I think that, you know, their sensibilities and, mm-hmm. you know, all those things really connected. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> to hear Ernie and Rod Serling talk about, you know, sci-fi or horror or, right. you know, would be amazing.
2: Oh, winter is almost nigh upon us these late autumnal days, and I see so many signs of it quite clear through autumn's haze. I've changed my walking stick from old bamboo to traditional malacca, and I see where Brooks Brothers are lining waistcoat pockets of soft but firm alpaca. Soon the snow plow, the earmuff, the cashmere blankets for buggies will say that winter is here, and on with those monogrammed snuggies. And off in the rural clime, dame nature salutes us with a glamour. And in the city, the apartment dweller will strike his radiator with his hammer. And long and clear will the hammer blow descend to the basement there, where crouches the janitor, sound asleep, warm in his cozy lair. Do you have a favorite
0: track off of this? I was going to ask you that next.
1: Um... You know, I kind of like the uh, the the. I enjoy the fact that there's a New Year's Eve one on there. Oh yeah, but I do yeah. like the fashionable East Side one because it's just so about <laughs> consumerism and mm-hmm. you know, rich versus poor and you know, kind of making jokes about how difficult it is to to be on the fashionable East Side. And mm-hmm. um, I kind of enjoy that one. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's a it it. I mean, it it, it always. Tends to work for me, even if somebody did end up being a very successful person. If they're still willing to play with class a little bit, you know? yeah, it, it's always funny. Yeah, um, and he came from a pretty hard Scrabble upbringing. Yeah, so you know he he earned it. Do you, are there? Uh, is there anything else sort of in the pipeline that we can talk about or no? Well,
1: there there are still a lot of shows to go through, and okay. it's kind of expensive to transfer all of them. Mm-hmm. So and when you like I said, when you actually have to play it, you should record it yeah. and then you should do it. Um I think digitizing that would be smart yeah. Yeah. on my end. Mm-hmm. Um but again it's sort of like we just did my mom's DVD mm-hmm. uh collection. Um and one of the reasons I did it was because I wanted to make sure it was digitized. Yeah. And now I have it on a hard drive and there's another hard drive somewhere else and, you know, sure. just want to make sure that, you know, these are my mom shows are from, you know, 1962 to 64, and they're all on videotape from the 19th, early 1960s, yeah. and who knows how right. long those are going to last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the great thing about these um, transcription discs is that they're not going to deteriorate unless they get broken. Right. Um, but uh, they should just be preserved and that's a bit of a a next step yeah um that's a purely i think a preservation thing and if something comes out of it it would be great to kind of put another record out or mm-hmm. you know um we've talked about you know always the issue with with this stuff is licensing music mm-hmm. and making sure that the people are getting paid so yes. um we, you, we could put stuff out but it would be without music and i'm kind of more of a completist and mm-hmm. i kind of like to make sure that you have the actual yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, And not to go on too much about my mom's DVD set, but one of the things that we wanted to make sure was on there was her Muriel Cigar commercials, Uh and that'll never be shown on television. Right. In fact, when we went to iTunes to see if they wanted to put it out, they said, well, you have to take out all the commercials because they're all cigar commercials. It's all tobacco. Wow. So, you know, I totally get it. Yeah. And at the same time, I also kind of go, it was 1962. Yep. And... There was a certain artistic value in yeah. it. And context is
0: huge yeah.
1: for this stuff. So, but I'm more of a completist. I like to see it how it was intended, mm-hmm. or how it was broadcast. Or right.
0: Whatever. Yeah. I I wonder, and this is just completely out of nowhere. I sometimes try and corner people about this stuff. Okay. Like I, I'm like, I'll go to somebody. Hey, you should do it. You should do a play with this person, where you both play these parts. I think I did that to James Urbaniak. Yes, James Urbaniak and Paul Tompkins should both do The Odd Couple. Now <laughs> he has insisted they should both be Felix, but. You know, you can find, I'm sure they can figure it out. Right. But I, I mean, is there, are there any, is there anything in the works for, I mean, has his book been re-released ever? Cause yeah. I, I want that and an audiobook are both like, he, it's what's in my head.
1: Yeah. And it's funny because, uh, we're, we're definitely thinking about that. Yeah. Um, it's one of those weird things where, uh, you know, his book, Zumar, Mm -hmm. Um, and then he had a second book called How to Talk a Gin. Um, We'd love to do it digitally, but I also kind of want to do it right. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's either finding the right partner, Mm um... And that also would include someone who actually wants to type it all, because right. there is no digital version of that. Yeah, um, but we have, you know, all stuff in our archive that can really, you know, augment it in some way. Mm-hmm. Or, but those are the, the, the his books are things that we're looking into, mm-hmm. um, and you know, trying to see if there's more television. is really. If there's yeah. a network, uh, you know, where MeTV or Antenna or something like that, that, that would want to broadcast this stuff. It really should.
0: Yeah. It really should. I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, if it wasn't for, like, as much as I don't really care for Naked Night right now, if it wasn't for that growing up, I yeah. wouldn't know who Phil Silvers was. Right. Uh, right. I would have always known who Lucille Paul was, because that's everywhere constantly. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, there's some, like, some smaller stuff that I wouldn't have known about, specifically Phil Silvers. Yeah. It would have been nice to have seen this. So...
1: Yeah, I mean... In this fast-paced, <laughs> slam-bang world that we live in, um, it's just—it's weird to think that you know there's not a place for Ernie on television in 2014. Right, and that's the case. Yeah. And it's sort of my job to figure out: is there a place for that, and who is that? Mm-hmm. It, it does strike me as odd that you know when we put out the DVD in 2011, I believe. Mm-hmm that really nobody reached out to us in any way, shape, or form to say, like, hey, this should be on something or we should, you know... And it's just kind of weird that that we have such a short memory of, you know, it's reality television and Mm -hmm. it's so, like, of the moment and social media and I get it, you know, and he was black and white and, you know, blah, blah, blah. blah. It's kind of weird. But it's sort of like there's got to be someone that goes, no, there really needs to... You know, this was good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So...
0: Uh, Sorry, I'm having a wonderful, just amazing brain fart. <laughs> That's um, okay. Sincere apologies. I, I, you, I, was, I was going somewhere with that whole thing. Give me one second. Yeah. Okay, so that was my question. Um, <laughs> the uh, As far as uh, all the original transfers, again, this is, it's going to be technical. My poor some people, feel free to mute it for a minute. But uh, are the. I mean, are they from old tapes, or are they from kinescopes, like, from for his shows? Well, what are they? I'm just curious. Cause. Oh, Ernie shows? Yeah. Um,
1: some of them are kinescopes. Okay.
0: Um, we,
1: in about 2009, we went to a place where we took a kinescope, a three-quarter, and one other format, I think one inch. And we mm-hmm. also have things on, like, two inch and, you know, just ridiculous formats yeah um and we played them just at random and the best one was a kinescope by yeah. far yeah and it was almost a surprise not to any of the archival guys that mm-hmm. we we're showing it to they're like of course yeah um but it was more that it was just not an issue there mm-hmm. wasn't you know it wasn't just like a tape issue or this or that yeah. but they actually it just looked great so um it, we kid. were super we were super happy to find that. Sound,
0: too? Is the sound all right on really the... Good. Wow. Yeah. I That's mean, you so have to clean... Uh,
1: on anything... Sure. Like I said, you know, some of the stuff on, on the, uh, the 10-inch record, the Ernie record, is... You know, could sound better, but yeah. you have to clean all of it up, and mm-hmm. it just depends how much money you have, and mm-hmm. how much time, and sure. how much whatever. And there's a certain point where it's just not going to come back. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the reason... The Lucy stuff looks so great is because that's a cash cow. Yeah. And CBS can pour in as much money as they want because
0: they're selling lunch boxes and they're yeah. selling,
1: you know, not just the show, but all the memorabilia that goes along
0: with it. Well, and they never, I don't, did it ever have a period where it dropped off? Like, It's a Wonderful Life had to be rediscovered and yeah. remastered. Like, I don't think Lucy's ever been out of public awareness. So, I mean, when I was a kid in the 70s, mm-hmm. like, I mean, early 70s, I remember watching that. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I remember that the Marx Brothers Three Stooges mm-hmm. and Speed Racer yeah and yeah. the only one that's really around you know <laughs> on television mm-hmm. is Lucy yeah. yeah so I don't think it ever had a drop off it's so weird
0: to me. yeah I mean it's good it's great it's a wonderful thing it's oh yeah historically important at least in terms of pop culture um but it's one of those things where like that's why we talk about these things I'd like Ernie Kovacs to have more of a place in pop culture are you doing I know every once in a while you do screenings and stuff about Ernie's stuff or your mom's stuff what's funny, coming up funny you should ask uh-huh.
1: <laughs> um we are actually, we just announced, uh, Friday, uh, that at the Cine family mm-hmm. that on February 4th, they're going to have a Edie Adams tribute night. Oh, so we're going to screen awesome. the apartment
0: <laughs> and we're going
1: to have clips from her show. Uh, uh-huh. and we're also going to have a, uh, moderator, so to speak, uh-huh. uh, Ann Magnuson, uh-huh. who, uh, is a great actress and, uh, comedian and pop culture artist. Okay. And, you know, talk about my mom that's and, awesome. uh, Allison Anders, the director, uh, is a huge fan and, mm-hmm. and kind of put this all together with wow. me. So we're going to be, uh, doing something, uh, February 4th. So that's if you're in LA, amazing, love to have you out. And
0: that's a great place to go see anything. Yeah. Frankly, so
1: they're great people. Oh, that's so good and then in april uh we'll have another event which uh i can announce after february <laughs> but it'll be in los angeles at a at another museum so we're going to have another event for for edie and definitely we'll
0: include ernie's influence on her as well that's awesome yeah thank you so much for doing this oh, Thank and you. for talking more about ernie i know i, I tend to sidetrack with technical stuff but no i know. appreciate it and uh
1: like i said anybody wants to listen and talk to me i'm so thankful so thank you of
0: course <laughs> um everybody please i mean again you're gonna have to go on ebay but y- g- <laughs> g- get this uh it's a percy dove tonsils Christmas. so be sure to search with the th's in there yes um and uh yeah and Again, just check uh, where where's all the Ernie stuff. I mean, I know it's on Facebook. You have a Twitter too, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, start with uh, Kovacs dot com um, because there also is a store up there where we have a okay. lot of limited edition stuff and things that you will never see anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's Facebook, which is real Ernie Kovacs, and Twitter. So. You'll find us. Mm-hmm. We're there. <laughs> we're 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 mining the social media.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank you again. Thank you. And everybody thank you for listening and as always have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, rate us highly, and write your reviews. You can follow us on Facebook.com slash and Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl.